Just like most episodes, this one contains strong language. Who are Kenyatta and Jack? We're just friends who are Gen Xers, former Air Force brats, parents, taxpayers, and citizens of the Earth. And we're here to save it one podcast at a time. Friends, enemies, countrymen, Romans, lend us your ears for the next 60-ish minutes. Prepare to be immersed in one of the most magical and mystical audio experiences you have ever had in your lives. Or you can listen to us. Hey, listening friends. Thanks for showing up again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We we are here to wow you with our incredible analysis of the world. Indeed. Indeed. That's what we do here. So, how goes it? It goes well. It goes well. Um, I would... Oh, dang it. My computer shut down. Uh, I was going to say, just real quick, though, before we get started, you know, there was that massive, massive uh, earthquake in Turkey and Syria. Mm -hmm. um, I had the website up on where you could if you wanted to donate of course it went bye-bye i'm not going to sit here and type it if you want to google it um that is definitely going to, i'm sure the red cross or something will have somewhere you can donate to um but uh the last i checked there were i believe eleven thousand deaths that's a considerable amount of people yeah so um if you have it you know and it's something that you Feel compelled to do. I'm sure that uh, money for search and rescue would be uh, well appreciated and could be well used. Most definitely. So Most definitely. anyway, anyway, moving on, moving on. So yeah, it's uh, fun times. We had the uh, the State of the Union address, which that was interesting. <laughs> and. Uh, I don't know about you, but part of that is part of my WTF, but uh, it's actually your turn uh, to go first. I didn't know. We often share a brain. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Strange but true, friends. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, we, are not, we are not lying about that. <laughs> um, there, there's a reason Heather calls Kenyatta my Virginia wife. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. So, is it my turn? It is your first? turn to go first. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I got a little bit of a two-parter. The first one is kind of seems not so serious, but it lends itself to our current state of affairs. And then the second, unrelated, is a little bit more serious. So, okay. The first blurb is AMC Theaters announced recently that they'll be charging an extra fee for, quote, premium seats at their theaters. Yes. That is, if you would like to sit in the good seats in the middle of the theater, you might pay $1 or $2 more. If you want to sit in the front near the screen or way in the back, you might pay a little less. I'm here to tell you, the average John and Jane Q public, mm -hmm. we're struggling, okay? 
most of us are still have roofs over our head. We have dinners to eat. And we're grateful for that. But things just feel a little bit tighter day after day after day. People go to the movies for entertainment and for escapism. Escape. Yeah. How dare you try to nickel and dime us because we want the good seats. They're already, you know, bending you over and making you take it when you buy popcorn. Well, I understood, though, that concessions, the AMC does not get a dime of that. It all goes to the concession vendors. But that doesn't make a bit of difference to me or to millions of other moviegoers. Yeah. So I'm saying, AMC, I know you still have discount Tuesdays. We're grateful for that. Thanks. But this is ridiculous. Reconsider this, okay? From from us to you guys, reconsider. Mm. Pull a pull a thing like Netflix did when they had their little thing about how they were going to get rid of sharing accounts and then the world went mad and then they're like, "Oh, that w- we didn't mean to do that. That was an accident." Just go ahead and say it was an accident, AMC, and we'll forgive you. Perhaps we'll forgive you and go and see a movie. Yes. Yes, indeed. We'll see what happens down the road if they'll, you know, upon further reexamination. Mm-hmm. So on and so forth. Consumerism is a bitch. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. That it is. For the second part, completely unrelated, but uh, far more serious, in uh, Tuscaloosa County, Alabama, over 200 students at Hillcrest High School participated in a walkout protest yesterday. Following controversy involving a Black History Month program, students claim that school administration told them their student-run Black History Month program could not reference anything that happened before the 1970s, including slavery, the Black Panthers, or the Civil Rights Movement. Students said they decided to have the walkout in order for their voices to be heard. Now, Reading from this is that's directly from the article that I pulled from. Let's see, I guess it's a local CBS affiliate there in Alabama. Further on uh, in the article, it mentions that it was one administrator that was uncomfortable with the content of their program, hmm. but nothing before the 1970s. So you mean to tell me all we've got is black exploitation and the birth of hip hop? That's it. Okay. That's, that's all you want the kids to talk about. The, the only, the only thing I could think of, clearly the only response is for them to just do nothing but programs on NWA. Clearly. Clearly. Cause they may not want that either. <laughs> like this is bananas. These yeah. children were upset and they had every right to be. Yes. Because by all accounts, they did a lot of work to put this together. And then all of a sudden they were like, no, you can't do it because you made one adult. Let's be clear. We're talking about seven and 18 year olds, 16, 17, 18 year olds. They put together something that made a grown adult uncomfortable. This is ridiculous. Ridiculous. I'm, I'm upset for them. First of all, can Put your big boy depends on and just realize that sometimes you you just have to confront things and deal with things that happen Mm -hmm. because not talking about it doesn't make it go away. It still happened. 
This you know, is, this is a part of Black Americans' history, for better or for worse. A part of American history, for better or worse. And, and you know what? For a lot of time, a lot of a lot of this country, you know, people that are pale like myself, we were pretty shitty and can still be pretty shitty, i.e. this uncomfortable administrator, hmm. towards people that aren't as pale as we are. <laughs> and you know what? We just need to get over it and be like, we were horrible, shitty people. And we're acknowledging that so we can be better. Not hide it so you can get worse. But for some people, it's easier to continue to double down on that nonsense yeah. than, than to acknowledge the fact that they have work to do. And that's yeah. a sad fact. We're talking about people like, you know. <sighs> Martin Luther King Jr. But somehow, as a quote, one of the administrators supposedly said, you should include more, quote, current black figures, quote, like Beyonce. That's that's the thing. So you think black history should entail basically entertainment based things that that's the only thing you think black people right. contribute here. What you that's the things that make you feel comfortable is if black people can entertain you. Yeah, that's um, that actually leads into a whole other. I don't mm -hmm. know if you could call it. I don't know if you could. It's I know there's a thing like soft racism, racism. Mm. I don't know if this qualifies as soft racism because it always amazes me people that, you know, you listen to someone talk and you're like, my God, you're a racist. But then they'll, you know, go ape shit because they were able to get, I don't know, Tony Dorsett's autograph. Wow, that aged me. Um, <laughs> uh, Mahomes autograph. <laughs> yeah, okay, there you go. <laughs> or, you know, Kevin Durant or something like that. You know, oh, well, you know, sports is one thing, but outside of that, yeah, it's it's such a weird dualism in the mind and it's just so strange to me and I don't know. It's just so sometimes it's just hard on my end. <laughs> Always being like, God, can we just ever not be shitty? I mean, a fine example of that is, you know, Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. Everybody loved him until he took the knee. And all right. of a sudden, he was a pariah. He yeah. Was the, he was the shittiest football player ever to grace the NFL. Well, for one thing, he made the NFL, so he's not that bad for crying out loud. Exactly. And well, on top sucked. of that, and I don't even know too much about individual player stats. I know the basics about football. But from all accounts, he was a damn good player. His stats said so. But all of a sudden, you've got legions of the melanated deficient screaming about, he sucks. I hope he never works in the league again. He took a knee. It's like, well, what would you rather him do? I always, play. I always felt that if you were, honestly, in my opinion, you know, if you're going to protest, I always thought the way that, he started it, others followed. I always felt that was really, it brought awareness, but it didn't bring about any sort of, uh, you know, violence or, cause I mean, sometimes you can protest and, you know, violence happens and all that. I'm not, that's a different argument. Mm -hmm. But to me, that was like the best ultimate way to protest something. You're getting your point across because it certainly got his point across, right? Mm -hmm. It brought awareness to what he was trying to bring awareness to 
But in my opinion, that was like one of the most peaceful ways that it could have been done. I'll put it this way. He had a particular point, and those who understood him or understood that point, we understand that point. There were legions of people that purposely misunderstood him over and over and over again. It didn't matter how many times. He himself explained it. They deliberately misunderstood him because they wanted to vilify him because he reminded these people of something that could possibly make them feel uncomfortable. (gasps) Heaven forbid. Yeah. In my opinion, kneeling for the national anthem is, say, a lot more respectful to the country than Oh, I don't know, carrying, say, Confederate flags through the White House or through the Congress, Congressional Building, you know, because you're mad that your guy lost. Oops. <laughs> I'm just saying, to me, that's just more respectful. But I mean, what yeah. do I know? I'm crazy. I guess. But I'm crazy. There's that. So, but as of right now, the school's Black History Program is still set. For the 22nd of this month, I'll be interested personally to follow up on the story to see how it went off. I am too. Because I, I, I really want this two, less than two weeks from now. I really need some, somebody to take some action and move something here to let these kids have the program that they originally planned. Because I'm tired. I'm tired of white folks always claiming to be uncomfortable. And as soon as they say that, everything shuts the fuck down. I know. It, oh. I, I'm tired of it. <laughs> I'm exhausted from it. And it's only pissed me off for like five years. <laughs> no, not really, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yes. I've never had to confront it like you have. <laughs> you know, it, hmm. it, I, I, I'm honest. I see it from, you know, growing up white. I've experienced the world differently. Yes. But since I've, I'm going to use a horrible term here, since I've become woke. <gasps> you know why I'm woke? It's because I'm freaking exhausted of all of this crap and I can't sleep. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the best way I've heard to define it since. Yet. Like, it's, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. It's like constantly, God, not that too. You can't have nothing. <laughs> Everything, nothing. God. Nothing. <sighs> but uh, right, let's recenter. Yes, yes. I I sincerely hope the kids get the program that they deserve. I do too. I so, do too. I'm gonna definitely try to follow up on this in the coming weeks. So. Yes, I look forward to an update. Yes, and I make myself a note right here. That's good, because I will forget that I'm looking for the update until you give the update. While I do that, sir, let's hear your WTF for the week. All right. Mine is, it's kind of a two-parter, but it's it involves the same thing. Mm-hmm. At the State of the Union, at the aforementioned Capitol building, Joe Biden put a master class on, on how to open the door, have people walk in, slam the door on them and not even realize that they were just masterfully played. Mm-hmm. This was like a Mozart level plane, you know, of just what he did. When he went out there and said, you know, my my friends across the aisle, you know, they they've actually proposed getting rid of social security and then they all started yelling, you're 
Sure. Marjorie Trader Green starts streaming. This is true. This is true. Senator Mike Lee makes that face like, what the hell is he talking about? And he's like, you know, I can upload it to WhiteHouse.gov if you want. I've got the proposal. And they're just like, yeah. and well, you know what? May, uh, did they forget that Senator Rick Scott has a bill to get rid of Social Security that's in a committee in the Senate right now in mm. Medicare? Did they forget that he has that? Of course, Rick Scott is like, no, my bill doesn't get rid of it. It just makes it to where it has to be reauthorized every five years. Uh, if it goes away every five years and it has to be reauthorized, that means you're getting rid of it because there's a chance it doesn't get reauthorized. Dumbass. Quit playing with semantics. <laughs> yeah, I think we touched on this in an earlier episode because at some point they're going to find a reason why they can't refund it or they can't refund it fully. Yeah. And then you have, uh, there's another bill that's on the House side of the guy that wants to completely get rid of income tax and have the 30% sales tax across the country, but it gets rid of every social program as well. That Social Security is a social program, and so is Medicaid. So if that were to pass, guess what happens? Social Security goes bye-bye. So there's two of them. And then Senator Mike Lee has having that look like, well, I can't believe he's saying that. We would do that. Apparently, Senator Mike Lee has forgotten that time in 2017 where he gave a speech and he said, this will be the first time you ever hear a politician say this, but I'm going to make it my mission to get rid of Social Security. It's got to go. Mm. Hmm. I, I, did he forget that? Is he not aware that, that once it's recorded, it's there forever? Hmm. And then, and then of course, what was it Wednesday? Mike Pence comes out and he's in his speech. No, we got to get rid of these entitlements. We got to get rid of these entitlements. First of all, we pay into Social Security, so it's not an entitlement. Number one. Number two. Uh, but the beautiful part was though, after Biden suckered all these people in and they were screaming and calling them a liar and everything, he turns and he goes, "Oh, cool! I have you all on record that we're in agreement that we're not going to get rid of Social Security." Looks <laughs> like. Da, da, da. <laughs> oh, you guys just walked into that one. He opened the door, held it open. You all walked into it, and he's like, oh, cool. So you guys, we have you on record, you, in front of everybody watching this, this speech. And you don't want to get rid of Social Security or Medicaid. And then they all sort of went, oh, shit. And you can see Kevin McCarthy behind him going, oh, that motherfucker. <laughs> Sour. Just all the, all the flavors in the world available to you, and you want to be salty. Yeah. You know what? Dark Brandon is. That dude could throw some shade. And then I saw a tweet afterwards that said, um, this may be the first time in the history of the country that a legislative bill was brokered at the State of the Union address. <laughs> you know, you know, Biden walked out that chamber and walked all the way back to the Oval and was like, <laughs> he was. I know he was. Barry called him. He was like, my man. It was all that. It was, it was I, I see it in my mind. That's what happened after this. I mean, <sighs> the ghost of FDR was like, damn, son. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the ghost of liberal presidents past paid him a visit. <laughs> like, that's impressive. That's impressive. Yeah, that, that was, uh, that was amazing. Uh, that might be the last time that a Republican ever heckles him at a State of the Union address. I doubt it, but 
they may take, a, you know, an additional seven, 10 seconds to think about what they're doing before they do it. They might. Yeah. Next year, Kevin McCarthy will have a little sign and with Biden speaking, he'll like hold it up that said, remember last year, guys. <laughs> It'd be like one of those auction, those auction numbers. He'd just wave it around behind, like, uh. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that was just a thing of beauty. But I will say it did make the uh, State of the Union enjoyable to watch. I didn't watch it live. I went back and caught the highlights because there's always highlights of everything nowadays, including, yeah. you know, our favorite in that weird fur coat. I don't know. Was she was she coming to the State of the Union or was she going to uh, the opening of a new restaurant? I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It, and I, I can't believe that I'm about to say this. And yeah. she wasn't even the worst there. Have you mm. seen what Senator Kristen Sinema wore? Let's say I didn't. You need to Google this right now because I want to see your face when you when you see what she wore. Oh, Just Kirsten Cinema State of the Union dress. It is. I don't want to give anything away until I I see you you look at this because my goodness, it was a choice. It was definitely a choice. An incredible bad. <laughs> I'm going to assume that you've seen the the dress. She's like a canary. Or SpongeBob. No, SpongeBob, actually. He wears his much better. Um, And not to mention, not only is it just bad design overall, it's also a size too small. It's... Ooh, girl. It it was a choice. (laughs) It was daring, all right. (laughs) It it takes some work to make Marjorie uh, Trader Green look normal that was definitely a daring and provocative wardrobe choice yeah i would would love to see what shoes she oh the shoes oh girl no somebody compared to big bird as well (laughs) yeah i listening friends i really wish you could see the expression on kenya's face right now (laughs) it's one of all shock confusion pain Befuddlement all at once. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and make myself a note to include this when we uh, post our new episode. <laughs> Social media reminder. <laughs> so listening friends, we sincerely hope that you are following us on the social, either Facebook and or Instagram, so you can see this. Or after you listen, you can pause right now and go Google. So, so you have the visual in your head. Yeah, so. please, please do. It's it's amazing. Cause I, you know, I, you know, I was following along all the best styles from this past Sunday's uh, Grammy Awards, and those were some daring fashion choices. But this here, no, girl, no. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess all those people that were mad at the what is it, Sam, whatever's performance, um, haven't seen her dress because. I mean, if you're going to talk about someone that was possessed by a demon for their clothing choices, she fits that bill. I don't know what she was possessed by, but it wasn't any fashion gurus. I know that. It was not Ralph Lauren. Not Ralph Lauren. Um, Gucci. None of them. None of them. Spade. None of them. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Just It's just right here in the side of my head. It's just, it's sort of like when you wake up in the morning. 
and your eyes haven't adjusted and then you go like in the bathroom, turn on the light and it hurts. This is that. It, it hurts. <laughs> it's bad enough that every fashion designer that is in hell, Satan is currently showing them pictures of that nonstop. Just PowerPoint over and over and over and all, all the different angles. Like in the article I'm looking at right now, friends, on the New York Post, and you know the New York Post is the source of the most credible news out there. But they have multiple angles, pictures taken of her, and just, no. It doesn't matter which way you look at it. It's a no. Yeah, yeah. And more, yeah. Than, in, more than anything, it, I guess, like I just said, it's not even just a bad fashion choice. It's the fact that it doesn't even fit good. Come on. And thirdly is the fact that somebody actually designed and sewed it to make it. I mean, that person's also a part of this equation. <laughs> I really want to do some homework and dig around to see who made this. Like, who was the, I'm sure it was some off the rack something. Or it may have been custom. Who knows? I just want to know who did this. Yeah. I Yeah. I want to know who did this because it is a travesty. and um, it, it definitely is. I'm upset yeah. about it. Yeah. Well, okay. I think, I think we should probably <laughs> wash this from ourselves. Yes. And, and actually move on to the subject of today's podcast. Indeed. Let's do that. Please. And I, well, I mean, I know you know who this person is, but we discussed it. But I'm going to start with this question. Who is Lonnie Johnson? Why is Lonnie Johnson important? And did you know that Lonnie Johnson is responsible for millions of hours of happiness in children? A, a fellow that created a billion dollar, I don't know if you would call it an industry, but a billion dollar thing. However, he is much more fascinating than just the thing that we that he kind of became known for. Lonnie Johnson is the inventor of the Super Soaker water guns. And that is something that literally millions of kids have spent millions of hours enjoying. Uh, millions of adults. Well, yes, that too. That's uh, that too. And he is also, you know, if it ever turns out that vampires are real, this is the man that created our defense strategy for killing them because just fill up some super soakers, have some priests bless it, and bam, all the vampires are gone. Did they not do that in The Lost Boys? I don't remember. I think The Lost Boys was pre-super soaker. Was it? They may have had regular water guns. Yeah, it may have been that. But I do, I do vividly remember yeah. them ducking in the church. You know, yeah. in, in the in, in in filling up something in the, from the yeah. holy water. Yeah, the yeah. difference okay. between an old, you know, squirt gun or water gun is like a, a Revolutionary War rifle, and a super soaker is essentially the Gatling gun at the on an A10 warthog. That part, okay. <laughs> it's a fifty cal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, actually, though, as I was sort of looking into him. Uh, I was just like, this dude is incredibly fascinating. I knew that he had worked for NASA uh, beforehand, um, but he is really, I don't know, a modern day uh, Edison. Uh, this He is just an incredible fella. So I'm going to go into it real quick. Um, Lonnie Johnson is an engineer and 
an inventor, and he earned his master's degree in nuclear engineering from Tuskegee University, and then he went on to work for the U.S. Air Force and uh, the NASA space programs. And he was tinkering around, and that's how he ended up coming up with the Super Soaker. And um, since that time, he sold it for a buttload of money, which we will get into. He has developed uh, several other companies since then, and he's working on some pretty fascinating stuff that I'll get to uh, a bit down the road. So Lonnie George Johnson was born October 6, 1949 in Mobile, Alabama, which probably explains why he uh, went to Tuskegee. Um, his father was a World War II veteran. And then his, uh, he, who worked as a civilian dry, driver at, uh, nearby Air Force bases. And then his mom also worked as nurse's aide. And, um, which I would assume is probably typical for the South uh, of their particular age. They also, um, had picked cotton, but at least it was at their grandfather's farm and not, you know, as, as a, I don't know, getting screwed over by some, old crusty white fella. <laughs> Did that ever happen? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. What? What? <laughs> what? That, that sounds like a different type of podcast than we have, Kenyatta. Indeed. <laughs> um, but um, part of the reason he was, apparently he was always very cur curious about things, but his dad was a skilled handyman and he taught all six of his children to build their own toys. As a child, Johnson had always dreamed of becoming a famous inventor, and during his teenage years, uh, he grew more cautious about the way things work and more ambitious with his experimentations, sometimes to the detriment of his family. Quote, Lonnie tore up his sister's baby doll to see what made the eyes close, his mother later recalled. Another time, he nearly burned the house down when he attempted to cook up rocket fuel in one of his mother's saucepans, and the concoction exploded. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> and, right? <laughs> and he, obviously, based on where he lived, he grew up in the day of legal segregation, and he attended Williams Williamson High School, which was an all-black school where, um, despite his... It's described here, not my words, uh, precocious intelligence and creative creativity. He was told not to aspire beyond a career as a technician. He <laughs> ignored those words. And yeah. apparently one of his favorite people is George Washington Carver. And that kept his dream alive. In high school, his friends called him the professor. I'm assuming because of his interests. And, um, at his school or, in 1968, he went into the Junior Engineer uh, Science Fair that was sponsored by the Junior Engineering Technical Society, and the fair took place at the University of Alabama, where just five years earlier, that was where Governor George Wallace tried to prevent two black students from enrolling at the school by standing at the doorway of the uh, auditorium. And let me rephrase, it was the, yeah, Tuscaloosa, the main, the main campus there. Um, Lonnie was the only black student in the competition, and he had a compressed air-powered robot that he called the Linex that he had painstakingly built from junkyard scraps over the course of the year. And, much to the chagrin of the university officials, Johnson won first prize. <laughs> and he says later on, he recalled that the only thing the entire 
staff from the university said to him was goodbye and y'all drive safe. <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> I know. Oh man. Uh, but he did, he did graduate as part of Williamson's last segregated class in 1969. And then he went on to Tuskegee University on a scholarship where he earned his bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering in 1973. And then two years later, he received his master's degree in nuclear engineering from the school. Thank goodness he didn't listen to anybody in terms of what he should do with his career. Hmm. So from there, he went on to join the U.S. Air Force, where he became a member of the uh, scientific establishment of the Air Force. He was assigned to Strategic Air Command, where he helped develop the Stealth Bomber Program. He then moved to NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory in 1979, where he worked as a system engineer on the Galileo mission to Jupiter and the Cassini mission to Saturn before returning to the Air Force in 1982. If you are any sort of fan of astronomy, you know that both Galileo and Cassini were groundbreaking, incredible missions. Um, Galileo ended up, I want to say it ended up staying like an extra seven or eight years longer than it was supposed to have been designed to last. Yeah, I don't remember the specifics, but I remember hearing about it. Yeah, and Cassini, it also went for like 10 years longer than it was designed to last and which is really cool um so he did that but then it says he returned to the air force in 1982 and reading from here it says despite his busy days johnson continued to pursue his own inventions in his spare time one of his longtime pet projects was an environmentally friendly heat pump that used water instead of freon Johnson finally completed a prototype one night in 1982 and decided to test it in his bathroom. Fortunately, there were no flammables. <laughs> he aimed the nozzle into his bathtub, pulled the lever, and blasted a powerful stream of water straight into the tub. This is actually, of all of the stuff when I was going through this, this sentence, I don't know why, I just love this sentence. I wish I could have thought of this sentence. Johnson's instantaneous and instinctive reaction, since then shared by millions of kids around the world, was pure delight. Hmm. <laughs> I just love that sentence. Because <laughs> I probably would have shared that. <laughs> I would have. I would, especially if you hit somebody with that. That's the, that's the whole point of the, the doggone <laughs> thing. You nail somebody dead in the chest. Blah, joy. Yeah. Unmitigated joy. <laughs> well, I mean, I, in his case, it's probably even more so because he had all the years of tinkering on it. And yeah. then for it to finally work. work and probably better than he had wanted it to mm -hmm. on top of it. Mm -hmm. it you know, so yeah. <laughs> but in 1989, after another seven years of tinkering and tireless sales pitching, during which he left the Air Force to go into business for himself, Johnson finally sold his device to the Laramie Corporation. The power drencher, as it was initially called, failed to make a commercial impact. But after additional marketing efforts and a name change, the Super Soaker became a massively successful item. It topped $200 million in sales in 1991 and went on to annually rank among the world's top 20 best-selling toys. I remember when that came out, because we were seniors in high school, mm. 
And I just remember thinking at the time, seeing commercials for it and thinking, well, anyway, I'm just a little too old to really just enjoy that like I should. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I felt the same way. I was, <laughs> I, I was something of a tomboy even, even up until that point in high school, but water gun fights was never really a thing for me. Even when I did play with, you know, with boys, I had right. you know, girls I played with and we did girl things, but then boys, you know, it was a little bit more physical, but I'd never indulged in that. So, but it's a cool, it's a cool concept. I mean, you can't take that away from them, obviously. Well, no. And I mean, this is a man that is literally, I mean, millions of hours of enjoyment of having fun. And it's since gone. His initial design has just been improved on and improved on where you can have like a two gallon backpack of water. That's Basically. Like and you're like, punch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, people took him probably a lot further than he had even envisioned. But, um, anyway, <laughs> so mm-hmm. with his newfound, uh, money, he, um, well, propelled by the success of the super soaker, Johnson founded Johnson Research and Development and went on to acquire dozens of patents. Some of his inventions, including a ceramic battery and hair rollers that set without heat, achieved commercial success. Others, including... Okay, I, I, I see why this one failed to catch on. Mm. <laughs> Others, including a diaper that plays nursery rhymes when soiled, failed to catch on. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that seems so involved. <laughs> like, you literally... The, the baby literally soils it and it triggers the, the music. That is, that's a lot. <laughs> like most of the time you can tell when, when the baby does the diaper. Right. Jack Easily. Be, <laughs> Jack be nimble. Jack be quick. Jack just let loose a shit. <laughs> no, I think, you know, parents all over the world have learned to discern that either by smell or by Density or both. <laughs> well, you know, you can't bat a thousand. <laughs> I mean, you know, there are no successes without failures. So. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, I just found that funny. That is funny. Obviously, it's on his deal, so he doesn't, he probably doesn't care one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, but moving on, it says uh, he has also worked on inventions to address matters of far greater importance. Uh, he is. He created the Johnson Thermoelectric Energy Converter, which uh, he is aiming to develop. It is a heat engine that converts solar energy into electricity with twice the efficiency of existing methods. Um, he believes that a successful version of this will have the potential to make uh, solar power competitive with coal and fulfilling his dream of efficient, renewable solar energy. Interesting. Yeah. It says here that his... He eventually has attained uh, much-needed funding from the U.S. Air Force to continue working on that project. In 2008, he received the Breakthrough Award from Popular Mechanics for the for the invention of that. There's still, you know, it's still working in development, and mm-hmm. uh, he's been working with the Palo Alto Research Center in California for further development. And it just says that he's, you know, works as an independent inventor. That's kind of rare. He, you know, now he does a lot of this stuff on his own and he retired. You know, he's made enough money with the super soaker that he is able to retire and do that on the side. So, mm-hmm. 
Um, and he's still working on the J. For short, it's called the JTEC. And obviously, if he is able to create something that would make solar power super efficient and more viable than coal, will that equal the success of the super soaker? Mm. Probably, realistically, yes. Yes, but <laughs> there, there are always those whose interests lie elsewhere that will make that very hard for him to mass produce if they ever perfect it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. you know, can that really compete with just providing children with joy? God no. I mean, it can. That that's something that appeals to adults, obviously, who pay bills. You know, we want right. to pay we want to pay lower bills. So if there's a way that we can get energy into our homes and our businesses for cheaper than what we're paying, heck yeah, that's important to us. Super yeah. soakers, toys, that that's mostly to the kids' realm. You know, adults play with them too, but yeah, there's, there's a certain yeah. amount of, there's a certain amount of joy even just watching the kids play as long as they're not shedding blood. So. Yeah. And <laughs> he's still, you know, tinkering and coming up with inventions. It doesn't say if he's, you know, come along with anything recently that's new, but I do think he's probably focusing more on this. Uh, the J-T-E-C. And, and then it just has here with his personal life that he um, is a board chairman of the Georgia Alliance for Children and a member of the 100 Black Men of Atlanta, an organization that mentors high school and college students. And in 2011, he was inducted into the State of Alabama Engineering Hall of Fame, which nice. is cool. Uh, in... 2013, he received a $73 million settlement from Hasbro Inc., which had acquired the Laramie Corps a decade earlier, and I guess they were not paying him proper royalties. Mm-hmm. That is not an unusual story. Yes, and but Johnson I'm, I'm... Corporations, they don't they don't care the color of your skin. They'll screw you over anyway. Right? Oh, yeah, no. No, no, no. That's not even what I was playing. That's, right, yeah. that's, a, that's a common story, period. That, that was probably the, probably the most, you know, the most white thing that ever happened to him was a corporation <laughs> screwing him over an invention. <laughs> Pay me my money. Getting screwed over like that, you know. Hey, pal. <laughs> you know, there you Cut go. But me uh, anyway, my check. <laughs> I I just. But him and his. It does say that him and his wife Linda have four children and they live in Atlanta, Georgia. But um, I just think that he is a, a fascinating fella. That you know. In all seriousness, we sort of joked about everything, you know, had a good time because it is, you know, essentially a toy. But he did go through some shit growing up, you know? Yeah. Growing up in the South in that time frame in Alabama, you know, as a black man, could not is not easy. To, to basically be told, you know, you may be smart, but you needn't bother aspiring to anything more than this. Yeah. And and it's not really a story, but just as a related aside, there was somebody who was told when he was a young boy, even though he was smart, he was told, well, you're good with your hands. Maybe you should be a carpenter. You know, Jesus was a carpenter. Mm -hmm. Do you know who that person grew up to be? Hmm. No, you're going to tell me. Malcolm X. So, yes, this is not an uncommon an right. uncommon sentiment 
And, and, and to be clear, you know, the white folks telling young black kids this, they don't think they're being mean. They're not no. being malicious. They sincerely think these children are not smart enough to aspire to anything that involves any level of intelligence. Manual labor or with your hands? Sure. But did any of the teachers that, you know, whose classes that he was in, did they ever think that he would aspire to what he did? Probably not. Yeah, yeah. You know, if, if they were still alive by the time he hit the, you know, the heights of his success, they were like, oh, that little fella. Huh. Yeah, yeah. Good for them. And I hope they choked on it. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that was why I, I really kind of wanted to, to talk about him. I know that we tend to talk about, you know, people that are a little earlier in the past, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just felt that for somebody that grew up in a segregated South, being told the things that he was told to provide so many people great memories, you know, a fun childhood. How many kids maybe grew up and they were, they were very poor and for Christmas that year they got a super soaker and that was like their greatest, you know, toy that they received. Mm-hmm. And this is a man that's responsible for just pure happiness out of a lot of people. And it's because he refused to accept that he should settle for less than his dreams. Absolutely. He refused to internalize that level of, of bias and prejudice that was being heaped on him. So, yeah. And, and I, and, go ahead. I, I like the fact also that he was a disruptor. Like he was constantly, I, I'm not laughing at the fact that he liked to disassemble things, but it's it's like I think it like indicative of a mind like that that they try to reverse engineer things. Well, let yeah. me see how this works. Da, 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 da. Let me see if I can put it back together. And you know, a lot of times in the beginning, you know, they say they take apart their dad's radio. They can't put it back together, but that's fine because now they've learned something new. So the next thing they try to disassemble, they might get further than they did before. I like the idea of people disrupting things. And I, I yeah. say that for anybody, regardless of, of, you know, the environment they, they happen to have grown up in. Obviously, that was an extra hurdle for him to cross. And yeah. obviously, he did that successfully. But I, I like the idea of the stories of people, inventors like this. And you hear their backstories and how they used to tinker with things and yeah. try to try to build, you know, doggone rocket ships in the bar and shit like that. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's sort of my, uh, another thing that I sort of find fascinating about this is that really the super soaker, the thing that made him exceedingly wealthy was a side project. It was just right. something he was doing on the side and it right. just worked out. And it was originally for something entirely different and like with more serious applications. And at some point he's like, Oh, this would be a great toy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, I just appreciate that whole thing and the fact that he has used that. To work on serious things that have, if he's able to make everything work with this serious, serious positive implications for the world. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like actors talking about some, well, I really want to direct. So they make an obscene amount of money acting and then they don't act anymore. They just, they're just right. directing things the rest of it. I did all that just so I could do my real love. Oh, okay. Well, oh. It, it reminds me. Of, <laughs> it kind of reminds me of when we discussed uh, Bernie Casey, the actor. 
he was only in the NFL so he could yeah. afford to paint. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, my true love is art. Really? <laughs> yeah, I just do this so I can paint and I'm not playing football. <laughs> yeah. How many, how many tackles did you have last season? What? Oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, so, uh, I know that in terms of what we sort of maybe normally talk about, um, this might be slightly more on the surface lighthearted. Um, but I do feel that really there is an underlying story here of persevering when you're in a system that isn't made for you to thrive in. <laughs> True. And I, I also like this story because out of all the stories that we've heard, you know, some more often than others about black inventors, a lot of them, and then, and I'm not, I'm not uh, minimizing what he's done in any way whatsoever, but a lot of black inventors, what we know them for are relatively practical things like Garrett Morris, Garrett Morgan in the stoplight or uh, yeah. George Washington Carver, things like that. Um, they're more practical things that got utilized by, you know, right. grown people, so, so to speak, I guess you'd say. But in this particular case, like he said, this was just a side project. He was just dilly-dallying and said, oh, this might be something. And it turned out to be a really big deal. And his what he found yeah. out is no, is no less important and came from no lesser of a mind than, you know, any other inventor's projects. He he may be the most educated yeah. person in terms of inventing water gun related technologies to ever existed. Basically. <laughs> It's like, it's not rocket science. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, no. <laughs> oh yes, it, it is. It was. <laughs> Let me correct you on that. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, and I did, uh, in another story as I was reading on him, Super Soaker cells are are in the billions. Mm, billions. It. It's like every every time you turn around, there's a new model. Yeah. So, um, anyway, that was, that was who I wanted to talk about. I feel that I feel he was worthy. Yeah, definitely. definitely worthy of more people knowing about him. I mean, I I, I knew who he was, but I, I I knew the barest facts about him. So that was good to hear more in depth information, especially his his background growing up and his education. That was very interesting. I would have yeah. never thought. I would have never thought. It's not a fluke thing. You know what no. I mean? Uh oh, uh oh. I mean, like I said, maybe something that you know he didn't intend to build. You know, sort of like WD forty. But we found this by accident. It might work for something. So <laughs> let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's anyway. I I I was glad to have to have got to discuss him. Um, oh yeah. Because I think he, I think he's a pretty a pretty interesting guy that is kind of a oh yeah I'll show you. <laughs> even is. if even if that's what was going on in his head at the time or not. Because clearly, to not let anybody pressure dreams is important, and he did not let anyone do that. So that in itself is worthy of highlighting. Most definitely. So that's what I got. That's what I got. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that I'm able to find, I have found somebody that I would like to discuss two weeks when it's my turn again. Mm -hmm. And I am hoping, hoping, hoping that I can find enough information on him to make it worthwhile. Okay. And I'll I'll just give you a spoiler. It also includes water. Mm. But in a way that a lot of adults prefer water. In the shower? <laughs> nope. 
<laughs> anyway. Gin and tonic? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're getting warm. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to that. Okay. <laughs> so, Good yeah, I, I haven't gone into enough on this person that I wanted to talk to. I actually saw him. And I was gonna. I wanted to discuss somebody else, and I saw this person. I was like, "Oh no, that kind of ties in." <laughs> Strangely enough, and I wanted to uh, discuss this person. So I hope I get enough info. Okay, we'll be looking forward to it. Listening, friends, stick with us. Um, this is our second episode out of four for the month. So we hope uh, you've enjoyed us thus so far. We have most definitely. Mm-hmm. And yep. uh, keep up with our posts on the social throughout the month. We'll be having many tiny profiles of other, no less important, African American figures. True. Yep. And uh, before we before we close out, though, I do want to say, um, everybody, if you listen to the show, you know that I have a solo pro- uh, podcast, Musings of an Eighty Mind. And I would like to ask everybody if you could go and listen to the episode that I just uploaded yesterday. If you listen, you know that burn survivors are very near and dear to my heart after last year. And uh, my guest, um, Andrew, um, his kids affectionately call him Dadpool because his skin now looks like Deadpool's from the movie. Hmm. Um, but Andrew survived an explosion and he went through some stuff that's incredible. And I was particularly honored and humbled that he chose to tell his story with me because he had never shared it such an open obviously his friends and family knew what happened but even then they didn't know some of the stuff that he shared with me and um i'm I'm only asking you to go (laughs) listen to it just because i was honored and humbled that he chose to share such a a a story so personal pain-filled um but inspiring because it is truly a story of perseverance Mm -hmm. and um if you could just go listen to it, I I would really appreciate it because it sort of lets you know what somebody that has gone through that, how it changes their life completely. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to throw that out there. Good I deal. generally don't try to plug the other one, but there you go. Oh, no, that has to happen more often. Listening friends, you can find musings in the same places you find this podcast. And if you are not, if you do not have both of these podcasts in your top five, Shame, 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 yes. shame. But we love you anyway, but shame. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, any last thoughts or anything? Nope. I, I'm just looking forward to who you're going to tell me about next week. I'm still, I've got it narrowed down to a couple. I'll, I'll probably land on it by this weekend so I can do my research as thoroughly as possible. So I hope to have something good for you and our listening friends. So. All right. Well, just remember, friends. African-American history is American history and mm-hmm. world history. Mm-hmm. It's all intertwined. Every last doggone bit. And let me remind you again of the seriousness of what I'm about to say next. Please go Google Kirsten Simona's dress. If you need a giggle to take you into the rest of the week. Yeah, I, I hope you are listening to this podcast first thing in the morning because mm-hmm. if you need to wake up that dress is going to do that for you it will it most certainly will I try to see it from all angles because well just because i i can't i can't describe it any further than that on that note for all of the for all of the, the fashion lovers in the world that have been insulted this week we bid you adieu bye
As always, thank you for listening to our podcast. If you're enjoying the show, hit that like button and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Let us hear your feedback. You can find us on our website, podpage.com slash kenyatta-jack-save-the-world, on Instagram at K-A-Y-A-N-D-J-A-Y-S-T-W, on Facebook, or you can email us at k.j.savetheworld at gmail.com. You can also find further information about our chosen charities at Service Dog Project at servicedogproject.org and Black Women's Health Initiative at bwhi.org. And because we always want you to be good to yourselves and others, if you or anyone you know needs help or support, please check out the resources provided by the American Psychological Association at apa.org slash topics slash crisis dash Kenyatta and Jack Save the World is a production of Hyper Focus Podcasts.